Hello everyone and welcome to daily newspaper analysis which is presented to you by Lawseco. So today we will discuss two articles. The first article is uh, titled as a fine judicial moment which is from the Indian Express and this talks about the evolution of judiciary the specifically the Indian judiciary and that how specifically in the times of crisis it has actually acted as a safeguard of the constitution and has made sure that the human rights are at the utmost importance. The second article again is from the Indian Express which is titled as illusion of redistributive justice which talks about the possibility and the success rate of the global minimum tax rate system which has been recently discussed in the G7 summit. So we, we will know as to what is it and what are the pros and cons attached to it. This newspaper analysis is presented to you by me. My name is Shava Khan. I am a law graduate and I had completed my law degree in the year 2019 with a gold medal. I have been a national debater and a public speaker and here at Law Seco, I am working as the manager for current affairs, free content and outreach as well. So here, uh, if you wish to connect with me, you can find me on my Twitter as well as LinkedIn handles. The links to both are available in the description box below. The first article of the day talks about national sensitivities and judicial conscience. Basically, this is a very beautifully written article which says that whenever the nation as a whole has gone through any situations that have been very sensitive. And here when we talk about sensitive, it means that something where the basic human rights, the basic fundamental rights of the people had been put on stake. So in such cases of sensitivities, the judiciary, Indian judiciary has come out with flying colors and through the means of its consciousness, it has helped in making sure that these human rights or fundamental rights are restored back to the citizens and thus the constitution as the most important body is upheld in the end. So in the recent months, the Supreme Court, through its pronouncements, demonstrated that the national sensitivities and judicial conscience do not lie apart, which is exactly the right case that whenever the nation goes through such sensitive areas or such sensitive times, so in such a situation, the judiciary has to be very much conscious and then through the means of its conscience, it needs to make sure that they all go hand in hand together. So let's talk about a few instances wherein the national sensitivities and the courts were seen to go on together. During the pandemic, the courts have intervened proactively. As we know that in the very starting stage, the sumoto cognizance of the plight of the migrant workers was taken by the Supreme Court and that was a thing to mark the beginning. So let's see that various other judicial reliefs they include. Firstly, directions for the oxygen supply, provision for essential medicines and hospital beds and ambulances to various people in various states. Second, welfare of children who had been orphaned due to COVID-19. We have already discussed all these things in our previous sessions. Third, ensuring dignity of the dead and facilitation priority vaccination for the vulnerables. Of course, that is going on. Fourth, directions to decongest the jails and regularity in payment of old age pension to the elderly, specifically keeping in mind the turmoil that was brought due to COVID-19. Next, ensured a just and non-discriminatory vaccination system in the country and in the end, but not the least, expressed deep distress on targeting of individuals using social media to express their problems. So these are all the things which were proactively taken on the side of the judiciary and we can definitely take them as examples of judicial activism that were seen during the time of the pandemic of COVID-19. And that is why definitely it would not be anything wrong to call the Indian judiciary as the protector of the constitution of India.
so the recent rulings have confirmed that india's constitutional democracy has moved beyond just the majoritarian premise right and to the judicial interventions so in a way now we are just not dependent upon the majoritarian premise or just you know the rule of the majority rather when we talk about the constitutional democracy it has definitely shifted towards judicial interventions as well because every now and then via the means of judicial activism the indian judiciary has proved that it definitely strives to give the constitution of india the right soul and the right you know interpretation that it actually deserves then the courts reiterated the purpose of judicial function to hold government true to the constitutional standards of reasonableness now as we know that we had in the indian system we have three organs of the you know constitution we have the judiciary legislature and the executive and definitely we have the separation of powers as well so that we can make sure that there is a system of checks and balances which is maintained and definitely we can say that the indian judiciary has been quite much successful in making sure that the government as an organization is able to cater to the needs of the people and is able to suffice to the requirements of the constitution of india and the constitutional standards that we had set for ourselves and thus it also makes sure that this all of this is done on the grounds of reasonableness and nothing that is arbitrary or unequal in its sense and that is why it drew distinction between the policy and principle and that is why it said that if at all the government is coming up with any policy it needs to be backed up with a reasonable principle there has to be some vision some outlook attached with that policy and only that policy shall be considered to be as reasonable and that could hold the merit on the grounds of constitutional standards and also it declared that the government policy dealing with pandemic must be bound by the human rights framework and if at all the government is taking any step in this direction it must be something that ultimately you know caters or it ultimately makes sure that the human rights are safeguarded in the long run with this let's discuss the second article of the day which is about the proposal for global minimum tax now in your previous sessions as well we had talked about the issue of beps which was the base erosion and profit shifting so we will discuss about that as well and to deal with the problem of base erosion and profit shifting this idea of global minimum tax which has been brought up after the g7 meeting will also be discussed here So the article says that in the recent G7 meeting the finance ministers of the seven nations communicated their commitment to a global minimum tax of at least 15%. On this note here is a general trivia trivia question for you all. Do you think that India is a member of G7? Let us know if you know the answer. Also, do you know who all are the seven members of the G7? If you know that too, please let us know. so here recently as we know that the g7 meeting has concluded so there a discussion has come to the forefront about having a global minimum tax now let me first explain you as to what do we understand by the beps which is the base erosion and profit shifting problem for which or to deal with what we have uh, this, this idea of global minimum tax or the gmt so as the name itself is suggesting base erosion and profit shifting so what happens is that in the current situation as we know that we are following the norms of globalization and many multinational companies now why they are called as multinational because they deal they work in various nations of the world or at least more than one country in this situation what happens is that for example there is an indian company and this indian company not only works in india let's say an example of flipkart so flipkart does not only work in india let's say for example it works in other countries as well 
maybe let's say pakistan sri lanka please consider i am giving you this only as an example all right so let's see this for an, for an example it uh, the flipkart is also functioning in sri lanka bhutan nepal india us and you know many many other countries even except india even after the uh, territorial jurisdiction of india now this globalization and of course digitalization makes this thing possible now let's say another example aliexpress and other you know chinese companies which earlier you know these had we could order goods and products uh, from these companies as well so the though they, they were you know chinese companies still they catered to the people belonging to other nations as well and that is why when we are ordering something from a chinese company we are paying that company so definitely that aliexpress or other company it was wish let's say all these websites they are earning from us as well so which means that they are able to earn profit from people that are not just the residents or citizens of their its own country or their home country but rather from the people or the countries which are beyond its own home nation due to this what happens is that many countries they try to show you know many companies what they try to show that the profits where they are earning is of such country where the taxation system is very low for example for one particular thing country a might take 10% as a tax my country b might take only 4% of that tax now in this situation obviously the company wants to earn more and more profit and somehow by a means of manipulation or you know in in some uh, methods what does this company try to do that it tries to show its profit earning in that country where the taxation is very low due to which what happens is that the rightiest taxation that was the right of the home country is not availed by it and definitely the real profit goes without taxation so that was the problem of base erosion now here the base which we are talking about which is being eroded is the taxation base of that country so let's say india as a country should have taxed maybe let's say 100 rupees of that country but now since that of that company but since now that company is not showing that 100 rupees to be you know as a profit in this uh, india uh, so now india will not be able to tax it on that 100 rupees and that is why the taxation base of the country as india will be eroded so this is the base erosion and why is it being eroded because profit shifting take takes place by the company so this was the problem of base erosion and profit shifting so i hope that now one part of this article you have already understood as to what was the problem of base erosion and profit shifting now of course a lot of nations they were understanding that this is all going on and they were all suffering due to it in some or the other way and that is why these g7 countries these g7 members after their discussion in the g7 meeting recently they came up with an idea of having a global minimum tax now i think you will be very easily able you will be able to understand as to now what do we mean by the global minimum tax that no matter where you function no matter where you are showing your profit uh, you know in which country there will be some global standards of the tax minimum one which you will have to pay as a company so this has been decided at at least 15% for now but definitely since this has not been a a, a global you know uh, discussion till date because it is only taken place in the g7 members so it is still not considered to be as a global deal yet so here let's do uh, uh, let's try to understand the global minimum tax into a greater depth now so basically it is an agreement on the rate that is in the beginning of a long road to foregoing a political consensus on how these profits are taxed and where are they taxed so that is why now i think you have understood the entire idea this article per se is a little complicated to understand i would say that because the language used is very typical one uh, but i am sure that now once after this discussion if you go and read this article it will be really easy for you 
and that is why it also gave you know a talked about pillar 1 and pillar 2 policy wherein it said that the pillar 1 was criticized for the complex allocation of profits so this was done previously all right so it was criticized for the complex allocation of profits to the market jurisdictions based on arbitrary allocation between residual and routine profits and also this said that this would this would try to include the incomes from the intangible assets as well now what are these intangible assets for example any gains are done from the intellectual property right intellectual property rights or even you know drug licensing etc so these are all kinds of intangible assets which are assets which are giving you profit but you cannot really touch or see them obviously right so here the allocation made under the pillar 1 will be added to the taxes collected in the calculation of the global minimum taxation system and pillar 2 would be moved beyond digital companies as well but definitely this is a, a thing of a future to come and let's see that what is how it unfolds as you know being a successful one or not so successful one this also again depends on how various countries that you know are concerned with this uh, take it up in the future So this was all for the day. We hope it was a good and informative session for you all. Thank you so much for staying tuned with Lossico and please subscribe to our channels if you like our work. Thank you.